last time on the ever-pleasant Mr. Bates. Stay in the shadows, little ones. Buddy, we... I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> we need to talk. My name is Mr. Bates, and the world may have broken you, but I shall rebuild you. This is a low-flying panic attack. What's your eyes, everybody? Well, I hope you have a plan coming back. Of course. And you guys skid your way up out of Mercy's Creek, and there is a feeling as you leave it, like you are leaving it to the enemy. And they know where you live. You guys actually aren't ready for this episode. Anyway, hello everyone and welcome to the ever-pleasant Mr. Bates. My name is Chester Lynn and welcome to episode 8, The Sins of the Forefather. I am your host, DM, and all that type of stuff. If you do not know and are halfway into this show, more than halfway, this is a Dark Tides prequel uh, set between uh, seasons where, you know, in the process of making season three of Dark Tides and all that type of stuff, and so this is a little series that's going in the middle there that's expanding our lore and all that type of stuff. Uh, it is a fun time, and I will also point out that uh, there is another show that is rather important to understanding this one, which is Feed the Machine, and which is another one I've done. To it. <laughs> you have to. So we are, we will be releasing Feed the Machine after the Ever Pleasant Mr. Bates to the main feed, so everyone can listen to it there. But if you don't want to wait. Uh, probably about another month or two for that to come out. You can jump over to the Dark Tides Patreon and check that out for, I think, what, like three bucks for a I month? I don't remember. I think the it's cheapest in the American, uh, For Americans, I think oh. it's $3.50. So you can get America. just for a month, listen through all the, the previous stuff because that's where you learn Orlando's character and a lot of the fundamentals mm-hmm. of stuff that this season is going to end with and all that type of stuff and ideas that also were very important in season two. Very important in season two, and will be even more important in season three. So, and if you're not sure, you can listen to the first episode of Feed the Machine on the main feed right now. And yeah. then if you mm. like that, then you, you gotta know, scroll back a little bit. It but it's called Feed the Machine episode one, all that type of stuff. Anyway, enough shilling for our own stuff. Aubrey, bonsoir. Guten Tag. No, I don't. What do you want? <laughs> your your intro, intro. please. Um, all right, I'm Aubrey. I'm normally Have the we DM. Have done like seventy and I don't, episodes of this? Of I like don't know at this anymore. Point. You don't. Anyway, <laughs> I play Tuck Marsh, who uh, is pretty determined to be the last one alive. <laughs> I have a to-do list here, which uh, is mostly how to weaponize a building. Good. Love it. That's what Tuck's going to be doing. Um, Oh, he thinks Queen is overrated. So does everyone, does. I think. Mm. Moving on. Hot take. Ah, hot that's takes, hot me. Takes. I'm the moving on. Hello. Uh, hello, my name is Caleb, and I play the role of Bud Humphreys, the lovable, huggable mum friend. Do a quick uh, Bud Buddy Humphrey. Bud Buddy Humphrey? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. what I like to hear. Yeah. yeah. Now we're recording this. Yeah. Yeah. I had it processed what you had said. Now just, we're cooking with ghee. Ah. Um, <laughs> cooking with buds. Oh, I, I, I totally blanked on a, on a fun fact to do. Um, uh, 
Good. Poor Good. showmanship. Yeah. All right. All right. Around the circumference <laughs> of the table. Hey, buddy. It doesn't have many fun facts We've about established himself. this is a squirrel. <laughs> it's the squirrel. It's the squirrel. Hello, I'm Kate McJones. Because at the moment, I'm McCallum, but when you hear this live, I'm Jones. So, yeah. She'll um, be on the run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I play the hardware-loving Jessica Harlow, who's now starting to become mentally stable. Yay. Um, <laughs> That's finally. nice. Uh, fun fact about Jess. <laughs> Sorry. That's the secret of the show. It's like if if you're struggling with trauma in your life, just the more, just more, just more 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 and more. More More weapons. Especially if you live in a narrative world where we want characters to have positive growth. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, uh, fun fact, what I was totally panicking in the car on the drive on the way here of I have no fun facts. Um, is Jessica definitely puts like pens in like her hair and like behind her ear when she works at Blockbuster for oh, writing notes, no. and she forgets that she has them. So when, every time she get, jumps in her car to go home, she just takes it out of her hair and puts it in the center console. And now there's like three hundred pens <laughs> in her car that she hasn't returned. Are they all she, Blockbuster they're branded? They're all Blockbuster they're this, branded. Oh no! And so now she feels too guilty to bring them back. If she survives like, this, she's gonna be selling those for like fifty bucks each on eBay. 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she'll be so rich. Um, so yeah, she just always has pens in her hair mm. and just forgets that they're there. She probably has like two, like per shift. Yeah, nice. Anyway, around <laughs> the Chinese done thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> She's not racist. Appropriate. Oh, it's the 90s. It's the 90s. It's the 90s. Everyone was racist. Everyone was racist. <laughs> it's fine. You're allowed to be racist. Mm. Racist if you're from the 90s. Racist. 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 You're allowed to raid. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Shadow that's Legends. Me. This is going well, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't this going well? Around the Schwovel. Look how professional we are. Aren't we professional, guys? We are so nice and progressive we are. Give us money on Patreon. I didn't say that. Hi, I'm Megan. Hello. <laughs> Mel. Um, oh, gosh. Are you going to do the French giggle? <laughs> Mel. There we go. <laughs> okay, I'm Mel. Um, Still racist. And I... <laughs> Still the nuts. Uh, anyway, I'm Meg. I play <clears throat> Olivia Kelly. And fun fact about Olivia Kelly is that she's quite sentimental about things. Um, and as a result, she has a denim jacket that has very soft... Um, pink kind of roses embroidered on it, which was a gift from Jess uh, after she scraped her elbow. Yeah. Um, and she needed a little bit more padding or whatnot if they got into more fights with more people in the neighborhood, which <laughs> Jess did know they would do. So yeah. Jess gave her the jacket and then Liv embroidered the flowers. Um, and now people think that she loves double denim, but really <laughs> it's just because like she what, likes to wear jeans and then also has this very intense sentimental attachment to a denim jacket. So she doesn't mean to, but she's just she's stylish. She's just being Canadian. She's just being Canadian. You know? Sentiment before fashion. Yeah. yeah, is doing. Uh, yeah. Apparently we need to address the fact that none of us know anything about Canadian culture <laughs> and there is no Canadian culture in this show because I didn't think there was any Canadian culture. <laughs> oh! I thought, that's racist. I just thought of it. I was, thinking of it I was thinking of it like Australia. Yeah. There's no culture here. <laughs> We're just America Junior. <laughs> I just thought that was the same thing with Canada. Canada will be severely offended by I that comment. Mostly Chester's fault for not doing research, but also kind of Australia's fault. For I did no lots co- of research, just not into Canadian <laughs> culture. I didn't you know, just I for to. that, Orlando shall now be fully Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> the yes. only Canadian things I know are Letterkenny 
and Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> We're making it to apologize just to my maid anyway, of honor. Just Tully. Her. Sorry, maid of honor. Anyway, <laughs> hello. I'm not Kate's maid of honor. <laughs> my name <laughs> is BJ. Man of honor, please. <laughs> I am her Canadian man of honor. Uh, I play Tully. Oh, my name's BJ. I think I said that. Uh, I play Tully Jackson. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but the, my fun fact for Tully is he does not and has never had a, a driver's license and does not own a car. Mm. Eh, nerd. This seems to be a theme with characters that you play. <coughs> Randy. <coughs> Randy drives a car. That was a Randy weird car. Does Randy now. does not. Does Randy does not have a driver's license. Many cars. Yeah. No, but that, that's <laughs> separate. No one's ever going to. Randy has at least one. That's because he's played. the one who enforces it. So it's like I've, I can he's literally never patrol. get in trouble for this. He's the highway patrol cop and he doesn't it's, have a license. It's, it's, like, it's like Rod Swanson. He has a piece of paper that says well, I have the right to, to do whatever I want. He just has to show his police. I give myself permission. Yeah. Actually, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. It's not that he thinks he can get away with it, but he thinks that his police badge or like is his authority to drive a car. This is literally my ticket to it's kill. Like, yeah, <laughs> civilians have driver's licenses. I have my police badge. This is the same thing. It's also a VIP pass and a backstage pass and a every into everywhere and a Grande concert. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I love the traveling Wilburys. Wait, I thought of a fun fact. <laughs> oh, <okay>. yeah, <laughs> I did. It's Does that have anything to do with Ariana Grande? No. Okay. Oh. Unless, uh, this is Unless the '90s. She wasn't born. I've just, I've just, buddy, 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 I don't know how old uh, she is. Unintentionally uh, supports communism without knowing it <laughs> <laughs> because. He just wants everyone, you know, to. He just wants everything to be equal. Everyone to have, you know, equal opportunities, and and he, you know, he he believes, you know, everyone should get paid the same because it's not fair that some people don't get paid. The, you know, he doesn't. He's he's talked to quite a few people, and he's like, you know, it, it, yeah, that is kind of yeah, that's kind of bad. It's he now sad. has a, an American bug <clears throat> on him, like listening to but, anti-American <laughs> but, values. But he's <laughs> but he will never openly discuss like his political views. Could I can yeah. I make the pitch that he doesn't know he's part of the party? Like he signed up. <laughs> he like someone yes. with a clipboard was like, "Hey, do you want to like try?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure. I'll sign. I'll club? sign your petition." Yeah. He doesn't like, know it's uh, communism because it was like the socialist group. Yeah, and so he is like, like, like socialist. Social. He's a card-carrying member of the communist party, as, as someone, but he doesn't know it. As someone who who at uni <laughs> met really quite good. a few socialists who were quite friendly. I can definitely yeah yeah concur. Yeah, yeah. Buddy Buddy would be like, oh man, I love to be in a social group. That's so good. I love, I love a social party. These guys were <laughs> the best social parties. So somehow good. I never got invited to any parties though. Just lots of boring meetings. <laughs> I, I guess, hors d'oeuvres, I guess like, if this is how you party, like the hors they like the hors d'oeuvres. I shared That's them good. out with everybody. They seemed to like that. Everyone got one and. I know. They... And I took the rest. I took the rest. <laughs> Tully was also there. He was just there for the hors d'oeuvres. Uh, anyway, Can we start the show, yes, Chester? I've been trying to. I've been making eyes at you. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it was very important to display yeah. Buddy's political I affiliation. See you at all. It's you were just, making shut up, BJ, eyes at me eye. while Caleb was talking. <laughs> what are you doing, Meg? What what is going on? Is it someone else's what? hair? Or is that yours? Uh, it's yours. For listeners who can't see, Meg has just put a pig's head on the table. <laughs> That's a I'm pretty sure, like, wait, I'm pretty sure the Godfather reference is a horse, Megan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
Okay, episode, let's go. All right, welcome to episode eight, The Sins of the Forefather. The foreboards creak and groan as Charlotte streaks back and forth. The chef had already departed some hours ago with the children. As the governess of the house, she argued bitterly about such great responsibility falling to a drunken old man, but her mistress hadn't paid her complaints any mind, simply saying, needs must when the devils are at our doors, Charlotte. As she goes from room to room, she lowers the valve on her lantern, snuffing the flame to little more than that of an open match. She hears the thump, thump, thump of a hammer as she throws open the last door of the hallway, the children's room. Mr. Hill, it's best you be off, she says in a grave tone. Jebediah Hill, the groundsman, doesn't turn around as he fixes another uh, hardwood board to the window and hammering it into place. Can't do that, ma'am. I shan't leave you or the lady of the manor on a night like this. And don't be a fool. You have a wife and children at home to tend to. I've bunkered them down already. They'd be a fool to go after my family. Scott and Hamish are more than old enough to protect the house as it is. No, my duty is to be here. Now, if you excuse me. He hitches a pile of planks up onto his shoulder, grabs up his nails and hammer, and passes Charlotte in the doorway. Maybe you should have taken that offer to work for the Hamptons instead of us, old friend. She smiles weakly. A strained smile. I appreciate the concern, miss, but I didn't take the role of groundskeeper on a whim. I kept these grounds for the master of the house. I'll keep them now for the mistress, too. He turns and begins to head down the stairs at a hurry. Charlotte turns, her attention now to the first story. How bizarre it looks, turned from its prior beauty into more or less a bunker. The flower that the maids had arranged in the corners now slump in their pots, petals falling to the floor in brown piles. Windows boarded shut, some doors too. Rugs pulled up to add extra coverage over windows that were too big to barricade. All large enough furniture was moved downstairs by the hill boys and the chef to act as blocks for doors and entrances. And from the sound of the hammering, Jebediah had begun to shore them up with planks and nails. Charlotte breathes deeply and extinguishes her light. She begins climbing the stairs. 
She doesn't even need to hold onto the balustrade to keep herself steady. She's climbed these stairs more times than she can recall. She knows this house too well to even need a light. But the light does bring comfort in moments like these. As if she had any experience with moments like these. The most similar she could remember was a moment during the war, when the cavalry came and tore up the tracks again. In the winter of 65. How hungry they were, just barely alive. It was a time she remembered, despite her young age. She reached the top of the steps and paused, apprehension filling her before knocking twice and entering her mistress's chambers. There she sat, parchment before her and a slew of other documents, but her quill had paused, her eyes looking out over the town in the valley as a red glow began to emanate from it. She cursed and turned her attention to Charlotte. Before Charlotte sat the mistress of the house, Madame Goodwill, widow to Alexander Goodwill, one of the three original lords of this land. She sits straight-backed with a pinched look on her face, dark shadows beneath her eyes, and an anger that only showed from the depths of her eyes. Everything in order, Charlotte? Uh, Yes, ma'am. I still hear Mr. Hill downstairs. Uh, He's refusing to leave. Then tell him to fetch his gun. They're coming. Charlotte began to turn on her heels before Miss Goodwill spoke up again. Then I would suggest having him make an opening for you in the back door. Run to the Hamptons, or perhaps the Hill House. You'll be safe there. Uh, Thank you for the offer, ma'am, but my place is with you, as it always has been. Goodwill sighs and stands up, beginning to make her way down the stairs of Charlotte. All this goddamn honour will be the death of you two, I swear it. They emerge onto the ground floor, as illustrious and beautiful as the rest of the house. Dark wood panelling, hand-carved detailing, and so much more. But the mistress gave it her usual disgusted look as she passed. If they only planned to burn this place to the ground, I'd be the first to put a torch to it all, but it's the rest of their plans I don't rather fancy. But ma'am, Master Alexander wouldn't... What Alex would or wouldn't want is of little concern at the moment, if I'm to be entirely honest. The two come to the door as Mr. Hill continues hammering, bracing panels into the furniture and into the floorboards. Goodwill moves to the side and peers through a crack in the windows. And so, they come. Before them stretched a long, dirt road. It stretched for a good hundred feet before curving and being lost behind a string of firs. Yet slowly and surely, she saw it approaching. A black horse rode up the path, slowly trotting its way, kicking up puffs of dirt in the hot summer night. Its rider, a tall, pale man, looked up at Goodwill Mansion as he rode. Together the horse in its black fur and rider in his black suit, they appeared almost as phantoms, borne abreast the summer winds. But to Goodwill, she saw them differently. Harbingers. The rider came to a halt and looked through the window at her. A smile crossed his face. My, my, lady of the house. How long since I had the honour of your counsel? She called back through. If you had taken the honour of my counsel in these prior months, we might not be meeting like this. And risk being ensnared by your dark powers? I think not. 
I know what you're doing, Lord Heathcliff. You are making a martyr of me to win over the townsfolk for good. What have you done to them? They are my friends. My countrymen. And you've risen them up against me. My dear lady, you accuse me of such manipulations. I am simply guiding the people on a humble crusade against the likes of you. You villainous woman. I pity Paul Alexandra, ensnared and ruined by the likes of you. Pity the living, Lord Heathcliff. My husband died of illness and you damn well know it. No, my dear. I pity you. As he says this, the glow begins to emanate from around the trees. Soon, she sees it. Dozens. No. Hundreds of figures. Many carrying torches, other muskets, others yet carrying oil. The glow of the mob comes closer. Boom, 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 go their treacherous feet. Core, 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 go their merciless voices, like great birds of prey. Consider this a down payment of the debt, my dear. The debt you owe, my people. The lot of you should have burned that night. Now join the ash-poisoned earth where you belong. And don't worry. The line ends here. I promise it. That is when Mrs. Goodwill saw something that made her stomach churn. As Mr. Hill came to her side and began trying to pull her from the door, as figures began hurling themselves at the walls, dousing the front balconies in oil and igniting them. As gunfire blasted through the walls and doorways, windows were smashed open, arms reaching through cracks, and the sound of people climbing up to the second story, like animals they took to the house. And in that moment she saw the unmistakable figures of her children, tied to great lengths of wood, being carried by the group, suspending them two stories high, their blood running down the wood to the hands of the men carrying them, soaking into the fibres of the recently hewed lengths and their voices chanted, Burn the Witch. fades and returns to our time where the house once stood now the lot the eastern motel of mercy's creek sits upon its burnt remains the image dissolves and refocuses in the living room of the harlow household the fire in the sitting room cracks and snaps as an old man sits by it in an armchair he writes in a small yet thick leather-bound book it is distorted and the front covers barely cover the pages, as it seems he has added more pages to the book. His writing has the characteristics of something beautiful. Large, ornate, running writing, with perfect spacing and curving, yet it slowly slopes out of line, some lines running into others, like that of a man who could once write perfectly. Bates adjusts his glasses as he hears footsteps from within the room. What are you writing? Comes a hissed voice. The events of the month. I must have it all noted down, he responds. 
You know no one will ever read that, sir. And if those against you find it, they'll burn it. They do no such thing. You pay them too much respect, sir. The hunters would burn it. And they are no hunters. Do not mistake good people with the likes of them. Good, good. They defy you. What I offer is not for everyone. Not all humans are the same, and not all that is good for some is good for all. But what you offer is the best, sir. Sounds more like a justification for weakness. Bates pauses and places his pen down and looks around his chair to what is unmistakably a persona in the deep shadows of the room. Step into the light with me, Heathcliff. Don't dawdle in the dark. If you wish to speak, speak with me. Don't whisper in my ears from the shadows. The persona slowly emerges into the light and takes a seat across from Bates. It looks different. It has shed its armour and sits in a black suit, riding shoes and a wine-brimmed hat and riding gloves. Do not mistake weakness and charity, Heathcliff. I would never master Bates. You have been very charitable towards the current situation. But the others, the others, they whisper, they whisper. They wonder why you do not take them this very night while they sleep. Because I am writing. Send us them. I do not trust you. Send them. I don't want them to be hurt. Sir, they are your servants. Use them. They are my brothers and sisters. I will not risk their lives. Then you will fail. You are too close to become self now, Master. One does not build cities if one is guided by doubt, Master. Can you govern in absolute certainty? We both know that your beliefs have elevated you. Just as the things that have rejected you would have destroyed you. Now is the time to be strong. To take. To demand. To reach out with both hands and grasp and take. Not to wait. You know this as well as I do. Those who stand against you. They do not deserve any more. This is your town. Can you govern it? Shadows dance about the room. Like hands, they grasp at baits. As the fire flickers and dances, the two men sit across from each other. Bates adjusts his glasses once again. The words of the persona dance around in his mind, clouding him. Get out of my sight. Bates clicks his finger and the persona rises and leaves the room without a word. Bates pauses. He turns his attention back to the book. He flicks through the pages till he finds two brown pieces of paper. He holds them gently in his palms. Mrs. Harlow enters the room with a cup of tea and places it next to him. He smiles and nods at her. She's on her way out of the room when he speaks. I'm all alone. 
Can they see me? Even when there are no lights around. He tries to smile, his usual cheerful smile, but his cheeks fight him. The nerves twitch and the smile fails away. What is my life? Am I doing this right? He opens the first piece of parchment and Mrs. Harlow comes to his side and looks at the parchment. Beautiful handwriting stretches from edge to edge. He has grown smudged slightly as he runs his fingers over it, finding the grooves and the edges in order to read it best he can. But he has memorized it. Father remains the same, so I say it again. Come along and run away with me. We don't need money. We don't need anything. All I need is you. Every day. Sounds like a love letter, Miss Harlow whispers. Yes, well, more of an engagement letter, I suppose. She had a way with words, and it only made sense that she would be the one to ask first. I was far too afraid that she wouldn't accept. I was just an angry young man. Well, she taught me patience. She taught me that the road to freedom cannot be seen by downcast eyes. He then opens the last piece of parchment to a child's drawing of a man wearing all blue with a black hat. A woman in a white dress in a garden. And she taught me to never give up on what I have to do. He sighs and then folds the paper and closes the book. Bring Heathcliff back inside. I've made up my mind. Tuck Marsh, your eyes open now, finding yourself on the dust-smelling couch in the front room of Salem's Lodge. It's around 1am, and the lodge is just as busy as when you sat down to quote-unquote rest your eyes. <laughs> A.K.A. your excuse for not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You've been back for probably about four or five hours. You have not been allowed to leave. Yep. Tia is locking down the building, Okay, basically. Orlando, you don't know where Orlando is exactly. He went off with uh, Pevensey and Ben Mears. Mm-hmm. Most likely to interrogate him as to what the hell he knows. <laughs> Jokes on them, all and, those interrogating. <laughs> you've been hearing a lot of yelling echoing up from like the top story. <laughs> You're like, hmm, it's going well. <laughs> all right, uh, what is Tully doing? So when they got back, so have we been locked inside the house? Yeah, yeah. So when they got back, um, Tully first of all protested being locked in straight away. He's like, I need to like scope the area. I need to find <laughs> out what the most strategic approach would be for some kind of enemy force like would they come up the hill and they're like no Tully we're staying inside like, no right. person we don't know the name of get inside <laughs> <laughs> like, alright cool uh, I, so alright since then I'm ahead like, inside alright look I'm in advertising okay I can help with like strategy and stuff <laughs> I do a lot of strategic business plans so so he's basically just been like looking in all the rooms and like, okay, so if they come in this way, we'll do this, we'll do this thing. And he's been like advising, but not very helpfully. Okay. And mostly just kind of getting in everyone's way, but trying to be helpful. 
I really think I don't. I think we should move that refrigerator about three feet to the left. <laughs> is he going to Warwick with all of his to like cover, Oh, of absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> Warwick is like doorway. humming to himself. <laughs> As he's doing or, like the opposite of what. Tom Aubrey is doesn't like. know the tune, but he's uh, like a humming for Queen and Country. Yeah. <laughs> As he's moving the fridge like three feet to the right instead. So I was like, no, I really think we got a shot here. He's just being very patient and not telling Tully that he has combat experience. And Rule Tully has, I don't know, assert one in <laughs> something not useful. What is Olivia doing? Well, for the first two or three minutes um, of being shoved inside the lodge, uh, she was trying to be like, so how can I help? What can I do? And then realizing that no one was going to give her any instruction on how to help or, or be of benefit, she just kind of went and sat where Tuck was already, quote-unquote, resting his eyes. Tully she tried was sitting to be snoring mouth open. Yeah, and then she just looked at Tully and she was like... And then she looked at Tuck and she was like, I think I know what I want to do. And she just walked over to Tuck, sat on the armrest with, like, her back leaning up against the wall, hands folded, just patiently waiting for someone who actually knows what to do to tell her what to do. Every time Tully walks past, she's like, hey, have you done that thing? No? Okay, that's all right. I'll do it. <laughs> it's never specifying what the thing is. He goes over and, like, grabs a pile of maps and moves them slightly. It's like, that's what he yeah, wants. That looks, yeah. that looks better. That looks better. He's like, uh, hey, Liv, we need some more nails. And then, like, ten minutes. It's okay. I got some nails. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. I got them. Don't worry. It's okay. You, you stay right there. She seems to be sitting deep in thought, like... I feel like that map is crooked. <laughs> Can't have crooked maps. <laughs> it's the one that he moved like oh a few minutes gosh. ago. He's losing his mind. Uh, what is <laughs> yeah. what is Olivia thinking about? Uh, she's thinking about all of the events that have passed and how she is genuinely not coping. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's acknowledged out loud to what seems to be a psychopath that she is losing self-control during an interrogation session. And she's like... The question is, who was interrogating who? Yeah, who was interrogating? And she was just sitting there going like, that really wasn't my best moment. None of this was my best moment. Today was not a good day. I hate myself so much. Why am I like this? Yes, it was so much better. (laughs) I could have done this so much better. Bertha thinks that I was floating with her. I can't. No. (laughs) (laughs) And so all of this is going around. That's the one thing. They're like... Oh, and to capital. Bertha thinks that I was, and a gnome tried to kill me. Am I going insane? And Bertha was there. Yeah. So she's just kind of like she feels embarrassed because she's just called like a sword and knife in front of Emily, and she's like, I know blades. <laughs> I know this. Stuff. So it's not that you're having like a panic attack. It's too much now. You're just embarrassed. She's just some level of embarrassment into a whole pile of embarrassment. She's going, just sitting there, bright red. You're just like yeah. a sim character who's about to die from just embarrassment. Yeah, pure embarrassment, death. Because she also remembers the fact that Buddy was like, so give me information about this conversation that you had with the the white ghosty boy, and she's like, wow, that really didn't go down well. I did not communicate any good information (laughs) at all Um, so she's just berating herself internally and then looking at Tuck being like yeah you do this externally I do this internally (laughs) and then Tully walks by and is like man you look so calm I wish I could be that calm (laughs) as he's he's just like drenched in sweat it looks like he's just gone now of a swimming pool sweat (laughs) (sighs) man you're so calm oh it's hard work (laughs) 
It's like a cold night as well. It's like if he stops moving, he will just pass out from a panic attack. So he has to. Well, keep he's moving. also he's still so like injured. Yeah, he's like he's he's like torn open his stitches. His like entire side is just bright purple bruising. Yeah, he's barely like he's, moving. He's like doing this lurch thing to walk. <laughs> I really like as soon as he like walks out of the room, you can just hear him talking to himself. Man, I'm really unfit. I need to exercise. I feel terrible. <laughs> I need to eat better. Yeah. Okay, what's Jess doing? <laughs> um, so Jess has grabbed just a blanket off one of the beds. She doesn't care. And is kind of wearing it like a cape because she's cold, but she's walking so fast that it's just like fluttering behind her. So it's not doing anything. She's pacing back she's, and forth. Well, yeah, a little bit. Um, but she's heading into the left wing where like all the truckers normally stay. And she's now scavenging through every bathroom to see if she can find some hair dye because what what else do you do when you feel like you've had a mental breakdown you dye your hair as someone who dyed my hair many colors during the first wave of covid roll for it okay roll for hair dye <laughs> roll for hair dye roll for quality of hair dye it's a three okay during the you first find... wave of covid when you were like you know in constant danger of being murdered that whole time yeah yeah, yeah. You, you find bleach that isn't going to burn your scalp Let's make her even more blonde. <laughs> That's all you found is bleach, and you found some like, like, pastel pink hair dye. Yeah, from really? those truck drivers. <laughs> those truck drivers, and you're like, the hell is this? And there's like a third of it left. She's like, brilliant. That will work. And she just is now just pacing back and forth, looking at the bleach and the pink, and trying to decide: does she want to touch up her roots or just go pink? But then she's like, I look like okay. <laughs> but I hate bleach, and so yeah, she's now say just. I hate okay. No. <laughs> I hate. I look like okay, but I hate okay. <laughs> Maybe you should just go full like Sia mode, Ooh. like white on one side and pink Ooh. on the other side, yeah. just Ooh. middle part. Maybe. Um, you also hear the echoing voices of a different argument happening upstairs as your brother Derek is having a shouting contest with. Sounds like it might be Emily Ooh. about who has jurisdiction in this area and whose town this is and what the hell are you doing here? Type of thing. As like, show me a badge type of stuff. And, it, Derek, and her like, yelling. Derek more injured is very... than Tully as well. Yeah, his brothers are holding him up yeah. while he's doing this. He's and you can hear Emily somewhere. like, sounds very done with this, yelling back about, I don't need a badge. I have a sword. Yeah, it's, it sounds fun. <laughs> You're like, hmm, sounds like it's going well. So she'll now just continuously, like, pace back and forth so she can, like, get just clips of this. But, like, she doesn't want to be, like, suspicious. <laughs> As she's suspicious. looking at her hair dye, she's like, ooh, interesting. Tally hasn't offered to help but, like, anyone in that room. like, massive blanket flopping around <laughs> yeah. behind. I'll point out. <laughs> okay, uh, then what is Bud Buddy Humphrey doing? Buddy, Buddy is... Uh, he, he took a moment to kind of just watch what everyone else did first. Uh, to kind of gather himself and work out what the hell just happened back there, um, and and with anything that that is too much for his brain to handle, he's going to go to the kitchen mm-hmm. and uh, just sit there. No, he's gonna he's gonna start uh, in the fridge making some donuts. Okay, um, and uh, he's I think he's thinking about uh, what he was talking to Warwick about. Uh, and what it what it means to put uh, your heart and soul into it. So he's like, "All right, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my heart and soul 
into these donuts. <laughs> yeah, you find in the fridge some like like pizza dough that was like slow slow rising in there, and you're like, oh, this is perfect. I don't one, even need to wait for it to rise. One second, just. <laughs> Oh, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You didn't taste the dough. It There's was like sourdough. so much salt in it already, <laughs> and oil. It like it's a savory dough, and you're like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't need to wait for it to rise. You just start walking I over think to the deep fryer. Bagels. <laughs> Can I also say the the custard that Buddy was making in episode three ended up. We gave it to Tully after he was injured. That has like been on a Buddy for like two days unrefrigerated, <laughs> yeah. but still it was a nat twelve custard. <clears throat> I just love Buddy that. carries around a little, like, refrigeration pouch. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a fanny pack, but it's refrigerated. Yeah. He's got a, a refrigerated fanny <laughs> pack. It's a fanny pack with ice in it, guys. Come on. <laughs> ice packs. Come on. All right. Um, yep. That'll and stop a bullet. <laughs> yeah. What's... what's Tuck doing now? He's woken up. All right. Tuck is snoring through wide open mouth, and he does that thing where you choke yourself awake on your own saliva. <laughs> so Taki says it. Luke looks like, over to him and she's like, do you want a glass of water? Uh, no. <clears throat> Tuck sits up and he's like very bleary, trying to find a cigarette, puts one in his mouth, can't find his lighter still, and so it's just sort of sticking to the corner of his... Uh, bottom lip as he stands up and he's looking around extremely disorientated and starts going through his pockets until he finds a Ziploc bag of gummy bears and he's going to have a couple of those. Okay. Alright. <clears throat> Where are the others? Uh, they're roaming about the place. <sighs> Alright. Uh, Tully. He's in the kitchen. Uh, yeah. Alright. just trying to... <laughs> Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty bad, honestly. Cool. But he's really let himself go. Cool. Um, where's Jess? Um, I saw a walking blanket. <laughs> She's pacing. Like pacing. Yelling upstairs. Jess, come down. All right, where's Buddy? In the kitchen. You hear a crash from the kitchen. Buddy! <laughs> I'll go All get right. him. All right. Face on his way out as you go in. <laughs> All right, I'm looking Ow. around. Going the wrong uh, I got way. him. <laughs> All right, Chess. Looking around, I'm assuming we're in. Let me actually. I should look at the map. Yeah, you know the map I made. Yeah, that map that I drew all over. Are um, we in reception? My recording laptop is sitting on top yeah, of the Yeah, we'd be in the reception. You're in the reception and couch area. Mm, couch area. All right. Yep. Um, that works perfect. So, have the tier agents done any boarding up windows for the fuck up? fortifications of any kind, anything like that. So they haven't come to the front doors yet for the reason that they're basically completely made of glass. So there is some been some debates as to how to do it because they don't have any lengths big enough to cover up these big things of glass. So so far they've locked it and moved one of the couches in front of it. Um, yep. But they've been dealing with windows and stuff like that so far. They've just finished on the bottom floor and they're now moving to the second floor. All right. <clears throat> so I had a dream about people burning down a house. All right, here's what we're going to do. Um, Tully. Yes, Tully. He's, he's just swaying where he's standing. <laughs> Tully reaches into his pocket and pulls out a little hip flask and hands it to you. That's good. That's good. Is this... 
It's vodka. <laughs> I thought it was absinthe for a second. Yeah, it's the that's type a little of one too hardcore type, no, for you. It's the type of one that you're supposed to, you get the bottle and you're supposed to add water to like choose how like you want it. And <laughs> yeah. he forgot to do that. He just thought it was just like, man, they really skimped on this uh, this vodka. It's like half full. He's well, empty. Yeah. So like, Tully doesn't drink alcohol. Yeah. So you don't know why he has this or like you can assume he's never tried it. Right, so he doesn't even know what's in it. He's like, I think it's got basically like that. vodka cordial, yeah, and just has like syrup. <laughs> all right, I take it. All right, that's better. Okay, I thought that'd work. Yes. All right. Um. <laughs> Thank you for catching that. <laughs> <laughs> you said okay, and then okay was like yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, talk, talk like, all right, you can start. Can you fill every bathtub with water? Plug in, fill it with water. If they try and burn it down, and try and find buckets. There's got to be buckets around. Perfect, on it. Jess, any kind of ammunition you can find. Anything in the rooms, if there's anything that we can use as weapons, and we gather it all together. It's stockpile stuff. Uh, Tully, can you find the heaviest sheets you can? And we're going to pin that over these windows. They don't need, even if we can't board them up, they don't need to see in. Okay. Buddy, can you find any alcohol, any oil, anything flammable in the kitchens? Gather that all together. Also, you know those weird little things, those canister things that they put inside, um, like like spritzer bottles um, for cocktails? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Gas things. See how many of those they have. And also where the gas bottles are, just if this is a... If... if what is this place called? Oh, is looking around. Where are we? Hotel. <laughs> All right. I just love, can I just point out, you basically got chased out of town by the enemy with the constant fear of they might be coming after us, they might try and raid the lodge. Tuck comes in, sits falls down on the couch, falls asleep for a good hour or two, wakes back up. All right, game plan. Um, <laughs> All right, I've had We're a dream. Still alive? Good, let's fight back. <laughs> I've had a dream. All right. I don't know if this place has like a, a gas line or if it has bottles. Um, you sat outside in the... Um, the like gazebo area and all that they have barbecues with gas bottles and you know there are two large gas bottles it is operates not too large there's like four large gas bottles on either wing supply for hot water and then two for the kitchen area all right if you get someone to give you a hand disconnect those drag them inside okay we I'll, don't want it, them getting any i'll give that. you a hand as soon as i found some sheets all right, all right. who has car keys i need all the car keys that we have Jess um, just throws, doesn't even say heads up. Is she John here? Where's John? John's um, seeing it. The, the John, you're helping me move cars. Come on. Tully hands you a very large bunch of keys, and you know for a fact that there are no car keys on here because he doesn't have a car. All right, great. And then Tuck, walks Tuck just throws them on the lounge and walks away. You can hear the water pipes, like, screaming, because currently <laughs> OK's got, like, yeah. nine bathtubs filling at one particular point in time, and she's just running between rooms, checking them constantly. You hear Orlando yelling, My water bell! <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Just, wait, what's, wait, do I hear? Running water. Oh, my bill. Somebody's <laughs> gotta pay for that. You got it the next day. Week. Did somebody touch my thermos? <laughs> <laughs> you, you hear somehow an audible 
sweat. Did somebody touch my thermostat? It's gonna be hell to pay. Immediately he is stomping. And you hear like Ben Mears shake, No, come back here! We're not done! Ben Mears restraining Orlando. <laughs> Let me go! This is top priority right now. Um, nice. Buddy is uh, gonna go to talk. He's like, hey, I, I actually brought my 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 cocktail kit it's it's in the rental car all right um i'll grab that um keys keys yeah. good good um tuck is gonna go and get john and he's gonna get john to help him and i'm gonna move every vehicle that we have and i'm gonna pick the shittiest ones first um and i'm going to arrange them in a curve bumper to bumper mm. around the entrance um and I'm going to like jam them right into the garden beds and stuff right up next to the house or like, no, sorry, away from the house, but um, to make the most solid line of like a barricade. And I'm going to do it purposefully lining them up so that the fuel tanks are all pointing towards the um, the front doors. And just while other people are doing things, I'm also going to go and find uh, as much lengths of... Um, like garden twine as I can, and I'm gonna soak them in gas. Mm. Okay, uh, roll for me. Yeah, it's a two. <laughs> you don't see anything. Cool. Liv has found seven buckets. I rolled for it. <laughs> seven buckets. Okay. She's nice. got nine bathtubs full of water, or like half full of water, and the pipe straining, and seven buckets. Yeah, She's you, a machine. You got Warwick to let you out through the back door, which he was in the process of like hammering closed, and you went out to the, the garden shed and mm. grabbed a bunch of um, buckets and all that type of stuff. And as you're passing the gazebo, you think back to Weaver, and you see the gazebo and think, what type of defences are stopping things from getting in there? Mm. But you remember, as Warwick is beckoning for you to come back into the house, you quickly run back inside. Mm. Mm. She immediately would say to uh, to Warwick, um, okay, so tunnels to Weaver, not protected. Uh, should we bore those up? Is anything protecting Orlando's weird lab situation? Oh, um, hmm. Good question. Not my division. Not going to worry about it. That's his thing. Okay, whose who's division? Whose division? Not mine. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Bye. That's a lot of buckets. Yes. <laughs> Defense. Bye. Good, good. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> As he's like, <laughs> London Bridge not falling down, falling down. It's not. <laughs> Stay forever. I'm British. Sometimes I forget this is a horror podcast. <laughs> um, it's a comedy horror podcast. Liv runs okay. into Pause. the reception area where everyone was. Seven buckets on her arm going... Orlando's tunnels. We're not blocking those. Someone can get to Weaver. Are we going to think about Weaver? There's no one there. They're all no doing different there. jobs. Literally. Tuck has got that. tongs and he's like soaking twine in a bucket of <laughs> petrol. Like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? Who's Weaver? Uh, a uh, guy with a broken jaw. Tully comes through. With... Did I know that he was? Yes, is he alive? Yes. He's alive. <laughs> That's why you. I'm forgetting what I remember in dreams. I'm having weird dreams. Okay. Shut up. Okay. You should get that looked at, man. 
I don't. People don't look at that. All right. Um, no, I think they do. I'm pretty sure you could get it. Anyway, I'm gonna go get some right. sheets. Where's the the ones that uh, look the same? The twins. Where are those ones? Oh, people. Gideon and Fabian. Gideon like leans on your shoulder. Duh. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Cool. Uh, Liv, you said there is a knife in mm-hmm. building in yeah. town. Yeah. Why is words so town hard? Town hall, town hall. All right. There's a knife in a case at town hall um, that I'm pretty sure, for various reasons that I don't remember how to explain, is important. Am I allowed to go get that, or are you just going to tell me I'm not allowed to leave, in which case you have to go get that? He ruffles your hair and says, take a guess. <laughs> mm, my guess is that you're going to die pretty soon. Call it a hunch. Oh. <laughs> he pauses for a second. <laughs> and All right. puts his hand on your shoulder and says, for your sake, let's hope I don't. Yeah, no, I hope so too, because if I get out of this alive... I'm going to go back to Toronto and then they're going to kill me. All right. Good for you. Pats you on the shoulder and walks away. <laughs> Liv is just standing there in confusion. Still got seven buckets on her arms. Like, <laughs> she looks insane. She's got seven yellow buckets going, Liv, what do I do? You put the buckets with the water. Yeah, but the bathtubs, they're all over the place. There's nine of them. There's seven buckets. Just Uneven even numbers. I don't know how to work with uneven numbers. Yeah, to, to explain Spread to people... Spread it out. To explain to people there aren't baths in each bathroom there are core bathroom areas this is a cheapo place yeah right. there aren't like do they have communal oh. bathrooms Just bathroom communal bath. yeah. bathrooms full of baths yeah yeah it's a bathhouse it's a bit nasty yeah. <laughs> all right just yeah. chuck a, <laughs> just chuck a couple of buckets that was the review each the one <laughs> and if you're really nasty. worried about the numbers grab some pots from the kitchen awesome thank you all right okay she comes out with so, them, like Three pots. I haven't. But he's like, no, I need that. <laughs> I haven't She's counted like, no. how many bedrooms there are yet, but there's a, quite a few on the map. Yes. Um, and I would assume, given that we're in Canada, they would probably have electric blankets. So can I just mm. take ah Canadian culture <laughs> in our podcast about no, it's the so. where it all comes out in Canada? It's the nineties and it's cold. Google when electric blankets became commonplace uh, before uh, uh, the nineties, surely. <laughs> Were they like big? Awful copper wire things. Yes, or were they, I hope so. Because oh, yeah. they're heavier well, than well, just, just pointing out the fact that Orlando is a cheapskate, so the chances of you having those are small. I'll get you to roll for it once we know when they became like okay. common. Sure. Where is uh, Jess up to? Yeah. Um, so Jess went straight to behind the reception desk because it is the nineties and. <laughs> Oh, is it? I had not noticed. <laughs> really? Um, so she's going to assume there's a shotgun back there. Um, she rolled a six mm-hmm. to find there shotgun. There is a safe. There's Cash a safe. kept on premise. There's like a safe yeah. that's latched to the ba- like the underside of it with like a number code. And you're like, okay, that's where the shotgun is. Can right. I, um, the, the pad with the numbers is also so old that you can see which numbers the code must be made it's out of because of the, the fingerprint. the number one. <laughs> She just has to press like, it four well, times. There's only so many different combinations this could be. Yeah, you move it over to the blank ones, click, try to click it open, and it doesn't open. Like, why the hell are these ones missing then? 
<laughs> if this isn't correct, then why are these the ones that are missing? <laughs> Specifically, you see like the number eight or nine has been like pried off. <laughs> uh, okay, so about those blankets. Uh, yeah, uh, 1936, electric blankets were invented. Wow, okay. <laughs> okay, all right, um, roll, roll D12 for me. So yeah. it's just a question of how stingy is Orlando. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm imagining... Very. Uh, Wait, two, let me roll for two. okay, so you find one on his bed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I take that and then just the heaviest, thickest blankets that I can as, find. As you pass, like, no, my blanket! <laughs> <laughs> I need that. I get cold feet. <laughs> I have arthritis. Oh, I was just Florida. losing it at this point. <laughs> no. My toesies. They'll be cold. This is a life How and death situation, old My man. My toes are a life and You're death You're wearing situation. shoes. Ah, he takes off his shoes and throws them at Tully. <laughs> ah, I don't know about anyone else, but I imagine Orlando being so ancient. He's just like this... Tall, He's like 60, I don't decrepit know. Decrepit little man. Caleb, I had a 14 to dodge. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, Orlando. Oh, a nat one. He is so. <laughs> you throw it at whoever like, you are arguing with. You throw it, it hits a He's, lampshade. The lampshade. No, no, falls he, your head. he goes for like the whole like throw, fling, and it like slips out <laughs> of his hand as he like. Like draws up the throw, flies back into like Ben Mears. <laughs> ben Mears catches it and just snaps it and goes back to arguing with you. No, like these, my shoes. <laughs> these like leather, pen, like penny loafers. My toesies. Oh my god. <laughs> they're they're like dark brown penny loafers. They're your favorite shoes. They're the slip on ones. You don't wear them with socks. And the worst part you is haven't you haven't worked out one off. Yeah. So you, you now have one broken shoe, which Orlando is worse. Orlando is now rushing back to like the Limping to where the back. attic is to try and grab a spare shoe. Ben Mears like extends out one finger with the wire and like Bungie flicks you back to him and like starts oh. poking you in the chest again. Oh, I rolled a nat one for that as well. He is in serious pain. <laughs> flicks you back now. No, you. No, now you. No, now you. Mm. This is my hotel. <laughs> I will not be spoken down to. <laughs> Guys, this is life and death, and we're joking around. Shut up, old man! Okay, so. You washed um, up one shoe, freak! Good point, Show her my engine. Um, okay, so you, you filled up, you rolled 11, you filled up the baths. Yeah, she's okay. because I've rolled so high, I'm going to say that she's also filled up all the washing basins that she could possibly fill up. So she's filled up any, like, tub collection yep. space. She's even found, oh, like... <laughs> she's even found, like, a, a metal tub thing that no, just... No, it's, no, it's, no. It, quite, uh, and it yeah. looks like the dog bath. No, so you find one of those... It's basically like a metal thing to hold firewood in the oh, okay, main kind cool. of communal areas. You just empty out, out the firewood. Fire. definitely uses it to wash his dog. Yeah. yeah. Oh, where is the dog? Following, yeah, for dog. following Bud. For dog. Yeah, the, the dog is following Bud. The dog no, is following Bud, and every time it hears Orlando shout, it like looks up. It's like, is that about me? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so dog tub has now been filled up as well. So there is every surface that can be filled with yeah. water has the, been filled. The dog finds the tub and like looks at it, squints at it, and like, <laughs> so, like licks off the top. Um, looks up at you. I'm not giving you a bath. Sneezes okay. at you. <laughs> and walks out of the room to find Buddy again. 
I imagine it being quite an old Labrador. Yeah, like, it's yeah. very slow yeah. moving. Oh, his like face has gone. Yeah, a little it's all white. white. Yeah, it's all gray. Oh, actually, oh. can Liv bend down to pat him? Try. Roll for pat. <laughs> Roll for patting. It's a two. It, he. You miss somehow. <laughs> you, and the dog's gone. He's going out the door like. How? What? I wasn't wow, that slow. I am rejected even by the animal kingdom. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So, Jess. Jess. Uh, All right. What the Jess doing? What the Jess doing? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell, Jess doing? <laughs> Key combination. What the this hell? episode has broken me. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's going to um, scour some of the rooms to see if there's at least any ammunition lying around because I don't know people are lazy she's gonna start looking under the bed to see if anything's like rolled under uh, roll with disadvantage <laughs> it's Canada Chester it's part of their culture uh, we got a four yeah it was a six and a four okay four you find weirdly enough like ammunition in Willow's room you find like sense. you find like a thing of um like Bullets yeah. for a snub nose revolver. And you're like, ah. What was with Willow? <laughs> She's a bit of a weird one. Correction. She's like this, what was. What was with, with Willow? No, we still oh. think that Willow's alive. In the back of our head, we haven't accepted Willow's dead, yet. but her, yeah. her strangeness remains. Je- Jess isn't really paying attention to what she's doing. She's still holding the pink hair dye, going like, do I really want to go pink? <laughs> she's really thinking about this hard. She's like absentmindedly, oh, there's some gun ammunition. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, but hold like, on. pink. But pink. Hold on. Okay, yeah, with a nine, Liv has finished everything, and she's now just kind of wandering around being like, okay, what now? And she finds <laughs> she's Jess wandering, She's wandering around and is like, okay, okay, like, what to do now? Yeah, okay, 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 what now, just, what now? Just question, with every single sink, bath, and tub filled up in, in all of Salem, is there any way for, for Jess to actually apply hair dye? No, I don't, well, you maybe can apply the hair is everywhere the mm, to yeah. apply hair dye. I don't know how yeah. hair dye works. No, you, no, you just need to yeah. wash it off so yeah. she can use a shower. I can, okay. I can jump in the bathtub yeah. and just shove my whole face in. That's oh, how okay. it works. Cool. that too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so okay, walks past Willow's room, sees Jess, sees the ammunition, sees in the hair dye. Pink hair dye. She's like a blanket tied over her shoulders like a child with a cape. Uh, Jess? Oh, hi, hi. Pink or blonde? I'm already blonde. I'm so, you said I, you said blonde, but you have ammunition in that hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tuck wanted me to fight it, but I do have some more bleach. We do have ammunition. AK has ammunition. You, oh, nice, cool. Well, task successful, but pink. Do mm, I want it? No, you don't. Oh, but have you found do. bleach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can touch up my roots, but like... Uh, look, if I we do bleach first, then we might be able to use coffee if you want to go brown. Um, just real quick, Olivia, you take the like the box of ammunition as you're talking about this and roll at disadvantage for me. Roll at disadvantage. Roll at disadvantage. Oh, no. oh, three. three. We can only go down. Twelve. Here. <laughs> so close. Um, <laughs> you hold it and you feel like there's a whisper of a connection in your mind. Ooh. And there it goes. Ooh. And you go back to the conversation. <clears throat> Him's bullets. Dead woman's bullets. Oh. <laughs> You're right. That sounds yeah. like an Agatha Christie novel. That's an oof. <laughs> <laughs> Death on the Nile, dead woman's bullets. Um, anyway. Uh, that was if weird. we have beetroot, 
Ooh. It can go red. I've done it before. You just got to boil it. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, beetroot. Let's I do mean, that. I can work with and that. She just sprints out, ignores, and just starts running to the kitchen to find beetroot. And Liv just walks to her room to go find all of AK's bullets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tuck has finished soaking his garden twine. He's basically tying one end around a lump of, of like tea towel um, and he's stuffing the tea towel into the open fuel tank of each car mm-hmm. and he's getting all the strings together and running them up the stairs to the front door and like winding them around, I don't know, like a, a plant hook holder or something right next to the front door so that he can light them, send the fuse down and blow up the gas tanks of the ring of cars in front of the house. Okay, roll for Very me nice. again. This is something I'd like to note do. that Liv Ugh. is hanging Three. on to the bullets because she's like, something's weird about these bullets. So she's put them in her back pocket now. Okay. Um, Three. Three. Okay. Nope, you don't see anything. Nice night for it. Nice night for it. Tuck still has cigarette, unlit cigarette <laughs> hanging out of his mouth, still can't find a lighter. Yeah. While this is all going on, Gideon takes a moment and sits down on the stairs leading up to the second floor story. He breathes for a second and kind of rubs his hands together. Just as Mark Harlow is coming down the stairs, the uh, different arguments are still somewhat ongoing, but Mark is coming down to check to see where Jess is. Eh, you right? Mark says, looking down at Gideon. Gideon looks up at him and kind of gives him a weird look. Yeah, you're a hollow one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. Mark comes down the last few stairs and stands in kind of the uh, entrance area and looks at Gideon. You're one of the uh, trained guys in all this business, yeah? Well, we'll be relying on you guys quite a bit from the looks of things. Gideon smiles at him says yeah it's good to have some extra hands though Mark looks up at the roof hearing the restart of Derek's argument with Emily and looks back at Gideon there's a there's a lot of uh, tension uh, but I think I think it's good that everyone's here you don't realise how important things are (laughs) until they're under threat I guess it's what home's about all that type of stuff it's what my brothers are and my sister you don't realise how important they are till Do I do do you? Gideon nods a little bit, still rubbing his hands. Yeah, I got a brother. He's uh He's back in the town. Mark furrows his brow and looks at Gideon. You one of them? No, no, no. He's uh He's hurt. And he's probably still Asleep, actually. Probably hasn't worked out what's going on. But um, uh, my boss, he's not... We're kind of focusing on just 
staying safe for the night, so we can't go and get him. Oh. That's tough. I know how you feel. Gideon nods a few times looking at the floor. Yeah. Yeah. The two men stand there for a moment. What's your brother's name? Fabian. He's the, uh... The friendlier one. He's he's better at this. And, and Gideon gestures between the two of them. Yeah? And I reckon you're doing a pretty good job. I mean... Some of my brothers are pretty bad at the whole communication stuff. So... You're doing pretty good. Gideon smiles and stands up, hearing the sound of Warwick coming up the hall, carrying piles of planks of wood. So, yeah. And he begins to turn to go after Warwick, and Mark calls out, In the morning. Let's all go and get your brother. We'll make sure he's safe. Gideon pauses nods a few times, smiles, and continues along the corridor. Mark smiles and nods a few times as Gideon disappears along the corridor before turning and beginning his search again for Jess. Excerpt from Orlando, Florida's journal, page 32, 2nd of February, 1992. After my years of exile and evasion of Ilios authorities, after the events laid out in my past journals, the experiences with the creature known as Allah has left me deeply scarred. I felt lost and disillusioned with myself and reality. My personality disorder grew in its severity to the point that many of my past journals are little more than gibberish. Insanity can be like a mold, growing and festering. But coming to Mercy's Creek allowed somewhat of a fresh start, finally leaving those who dogged my steps behind me. But still, my issue of my personality remains. But I do find solace in mirrors. Seeing myself and my own mouth move, centers me.
But what truly steadied my mind was the ability to jump into a new investigation of sorts. I was drawn to Mercy's Creek due to the building known as Salem's Lot, originally a rather ancient manor house, one of three that oversaw the early township of Mercy's Creek. I was drawn to this house after discovering what it was made from. Mountain ash. A type of wood with a deeply mysterious assortment of effects. Chief among them, working as a shield against the supernatural. No creature of the supernatural can enter this house unless welcomed in. And once inside, it should be made weak and sick like a dog. That is, if the seal remains. The original owner intentionally imported the wood at 12 times the cost of more local materials. At the time, he was believed to be a rather eccentric and odd governor, but I believe him to have been a brilliant founding father to the modern study of the supernatural. Perhaps he was working from fairy tales, or indeed proper scientific research, but this wood was not chosen for cosmetic purposes. The walls are lined with it, so too is the house framing, Window and door frames too. The desks and even the doorknobs are made from this expensive material to work as a ward against the supernatural. Little is known of the owner, bar a last name, Heathcliff. Further research is required. But for now, this house is a bastion of safety in our ever-darkening world. And I intend to hold it like a lantern in the night. I believe it is next to impossible for this house and its owner to not somehow be connected with what I have coined the Great Purge. Hundreds of years prior, the indigenous population bore witness to a convoy of thousands being attacked by a second party in these forests. To call it a battle would be a disservice. It appears to have been nothing more than a massacre. Their bodies were piled high and burnt. This also set the forest ablaze creating an area that was so deeply burned that no tree would grow there for many decades, allowing the first settlers to make their way into this area. I've been able to dig up samples of the ash, and even a few items from those who were burned. The indigenous stories have been preserved in their songs and tales, but the details are shaky on all fronts. All I know is a battle between two forces, long before settlers came to these lands, was held upon this land, and one became victorious over the other. Could this house have a connection? I can almost guarantee it. Redcaps, gruesome little creatures that haunt the grounds of ancient battles, exist in almost plague-like forces in this region. The earth, even to this day, is stained with blood, and it attracts such creatures. Buddy, uh, managed to get to the kitchen because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was right next to the reception. Um, just couldn't remember all the things Tuck said, so just started pulling out like all the alcohol he could find. I rolled for it. Uh, I got a nine, so he's he's found a good chunk. Um, yeah, you uh, you haven't found Orlando's secret stash, but you found. No. I, fe- I, I found, found John's. Yeah. <laughs> John's secret stash. 
Um, I, I say with the nine, there's like, you know, nine different types of liqueur in, in various amounts of bottles. Yeah, yeah, it's cherry liqueur, there's homemade lemon liqueur, there's vodka. coffee liqueur, there's, yeah, there's some coffee wine, which you're like, yeah, someone's been taken out of that. Mm. Oh, that's where Tully got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, like there's some, uh, like a case of a case of warm beer that's in like the bottom yeah. cabinet. You're like, that's not going to burn. Uh, and then uh, he's going to remember that there was something else he needed to find um, that was probably also flammable. So, yeah, he, so you start grabbing out all of oil after he's grabbed everything in the kitchen he's going to, going to to leave to try and like look for other things and then get completely lost in uh salem's and eventually uh somehow end up in the function room with his easy bake oven just watching the, the like like he he, he, can't, he couldn't find an air fry uh, sorry a, a fryer for the donuts so he's using the pizza dough donut shapes that he's made he's putting them in the easy bake oven and he's just Sitting in the function room with the Labrador, watching watching dough rise, and he doesn't really know what else to do. Tuck, Tuck walks into there. Is like all of you. I swear to God, if you worked for the mob, you'd be fired. Ah. Oh. Liv comes around the corner. She's like, "I've got bullets. Does that help? Do you have the gun?" Well, I don't know. Just then, no, that she doesn't help. She, just, she does not have a gun. <laughs> she has bullets for three different types of guns. <laughs> no guns. I don't have AK. AK is the one with guns. I don't know where AK is. Look in her room. Tuck's going to go over to the kitchen and realize that Buddy's only done half of the things he asked. It's like, where to God? Okay, so I got some sheets. Good, thank you. <laughs> All right, find some nails, nail them over the front windows. Yep. Uh, that way they can't see in. And then give me a hand to roll these gas bottles to the windows. I thought Buddy was going to do that. Buddy is looking in an easy bake oven. I don't think Buddy has helped to anyone. Um, you then hear the sound of Warwick calling, All right, family meeting, everyone down here, chop, chop. Oh, that was really loud. Very, like, fa- oh. faulty towers. Hello. Like, Finally, Tully gets the sheet up. He get, like he's been he's doing it on his own. Yeah, he dropped the nail, like fell off the ladder, just, like just she, watching. Oh, finally got it, and then like pulled the hammer back and was about to hit it. It's like family meeting. God damn it! <laughs> Puts it back down again. Tuck walks in. He's uh, trying to jam uh, the little gas canisters into bottles of alcohol and putting a rag in. It up and it's like, wait, what's happening? What are we doing? Oh, warm beer. <clears throat> That's breakfast. All right. Uh, ben Mears comes down and you see him and Orlando are standing at opposite sides of this circle that's built and neither of them are looking at each other. And Ben Mears is like, All right, calm down. We have Orlando, Florida to brief us on everything he's got going here. Don't make faces at me. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> While Orlando is like putting together his notes and rereading some things and like pointing and saying some stuff to John Campbell, you hear the sound of a door open and slam in the back and you see Frank Hill enter the room with a crazed expression and he joins the circle. Well, I'm Frank Hill. I'm from the Hampton Mansion. I put Ivy down all the time. You see me? You know me? I know you. So Frank. Yeah. You're lucky I don't have my gun with me right now. Oh, he's <laughs> done. Cox gun to prove one. There's some 
Everyone's burning down the church back there. Crazy people. They had pitchforks. It's like they, they saw a witch and was like, ooh, digs. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I think it's... Let's <laughs> filthy atheists. They're No, 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 you bring up the Catholics again. They burned down the church. It could... Must be those atheists again. Darn, I remember them doing that. Or, or maybe it was the Catholics. Or maybe both. Actually, it could be a lot of people. It's the aliens. Darn aliens. Nope, it's the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> Flattery, yeah, that'll work. I'm sorry. I slapped you in the back of the head. Ow! Orlando as well. Orlando <laughs> <laughs> has to walk There's from one There's one thing the we can agree on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, John Campbell comes out and he wheels over a very large, like, whiteboard over to you. No, not even. He's, he, it's. it's he, no, he's too old for a whiteboard. It's a corkboard? It's a corkboard. It's a corkboard. Yeah, it's corkboard covered in... in it, usually it's just red string, but he's got red, blue, he's violet. Yeah, he's, yeah, there's Orlando's fun fact. Someone's he's just electrical white. tape. Someone's, he ran out of string, so he's used like, f- like floss at some points. Um, and he goes, oh, John, John, my boy, thank you. Uh, oh, oh, John, 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 that reminds me. Uh, plan C, uh, C Delta. Good sugar. Sugar, 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 the sugar plan. What? Yeah, what? Right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah right now. Okay. While he's here. Okay. Quick side out of the top. <laughs> <laughs> quick, 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 he's not looking. Okay. Run, run, go get it, go get it. All right, I'm going, go Okay, John runs into the kitchen <laughs> and comes back with some stuff. Um... <clears throat> All right, uh, and as he's like got uh, a cup in his hand that he's got from John and a bag of sugar, uh, he's walking over the tuck. And as he's walking over, he starts to introduce himself here. Um, Hello, you may know me, uh, but you you shouldn't. You probably don't. My name is Orlando. That's all you need to know. (laughs) Orlando, Florida. and at this point, actually, I was throwing Buddy raises his hand and he's like, no more questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, then he heads over to talk and he's like, hello, you boy, child, person. Yeah. <laughs> Try to remember how to talk to kids. Um, uh, <laughs> to Orlando, he's a child. Um, hey, little man. <clears throat> he... Would you like some tea? Here you go. Uh, uh, how no, much I'm, sugar I'm would you like? I'm good, thanks. Here you go. Tell me when, when, when. And he just starts pouring the sugar into the into the teacup until it starts filling over the top and just pouring sugar onto a pile of sugar. What? What is this? What oh, possible relevance could this have to anything? This, this, oh, this, this is your tea. You know, I thought it, you're, you're in my hotel. I thought <laughs> you, you, you wrote on my, my mirror saying you wanted to talk later. So I thought, you know, have a cup of tea, sit down, have a chat. And this is when you look closely at the cup and see there's four little wheels on it. And it's the same, <laughs> the same color as, as the ute that he drives. Uh-huh. Mm, yeah, good chat, good chat, good, good, good. And then he pulls out of his, his uh, pocket just a bar of chocolate, 
slaps it down on the table, walks back over to the court board. <laughs> It's, uh-huh. a bit, it's a bit melty because it's been. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, he's, he's, he's had it for a few days, ever since it happened. It's, a, you look over, it's the same chocolate bar you gave to the dog. <laughs> uh, Alright. Now that I got that out of my system. Okay. So, as you can see on this very clearly diagrammed corkboard, I have been looking into a lot of this. I have a few theories. Some of them started off as aliens, but probably isn't that, based off of the lack of flying saucers. Um, all right, first, we'll be taking questions. Question one, how did I get here? Well, it's a good question. <laughs> it all started long ago, very, very long ago, at least, at least, at least two years, maybe one. I was on the trail, on the run, a man, a fugitive, that's me. Orlando, picture, <laughs> picture, if you will, a man on the run, a man, devilishly handsome, devilishly handsome, large as a city himself, Orlando, I hear little, little bird tweets at the same time of getting information from someone about, about a lodge, a lodge called Jerusalem, also like the city. This is the worst explanation I've heard in my entire life. <laughs> it's like you're an empty thing of toothpaste and I'm just trying to squeeze out just a little bit of information from you. It's like, no, I refuse. I hear stories of a fire, as you all, I'm sure, know about the fire. Mr. Bates, his people, and this fire, here in this town, this town that was cleared by said fire. A clearing area near a creek. Someone says Mercy, Mercy Creek. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone, if anyone looks at this point and they look at the cork board, they see why he said the cork board is a clear as day, even though it looks kerfuffled. And that's every word that he's saying is written in a line path. On this cork board, from 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 everything to fire, Mr. Bates Creek fire, Mercy Creek, perfectly laid out. This whole, it's like like he's prepared this. It doesn't sound like it. <clears throat> it. Doesn't sound like he's prepared this, but it looks like it. The appearance, mysterious man. Mysterious man. A fight happened here long ago. That's that's why fire happened, right? Right. Correct. Right, Mr. Bates, his people were killed right here in this town. They were exterminated by Weaver's ancestors. That's what the fire was for. Mountain Ash, I built this lot. Well, I didn't build it. I, 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 I renovated at least one room in it. And I think that counts as building. No, the other guy built it. He imported stuff. Didn't like that, but... It's fine, because now the house that he built is made from the mountain stuff, and that makes the house magical, right? Supernatural, alien, all of that. So, so that means Mr. Bates can't get in the house, and anything Mr. Bates influences cannot get in the house. Simple enough? Right. Question two. Question two. What is Mountain Ash? I already answered it. Done. Easy. Question three. What is Mr. Bates here to do? Anyone? 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 
Buddy Race's hand again. Good, no one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> okay, so what is Mr. Bates here to do? Mr. Bates, he's an influencer. Never trust an influencer. Right, so what is the influence now? Anyone, anyone, me, right? Doesn't influence me, but I'm answering the question. He influences others, except me. I cannot be influenced. Does the snake dance? Does the snake dance? <laughs> he has his hands, his his weird blind hands all around this town. And we're screwed. You just see it from Frank, you back in Pavit! <laughs> <laughs> For once, Frank, we agree. We agree. If Mr. Bates continues like this, I have a theory. I have an idea, a concept even. His influence could extend to things not human. To, I don't know, buildings, I guess. Roads, uh, 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 egos, maybe. And even the weather, the climate, the world itself. This could potentially be why we've had really bad weather lately. And he was kind of like, he goes silent, kind of expecting people to like nod and go, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing happens. So he's like, clearly, I need to dumb this down for you a little bit. So. Fire, Mountain Ash, Mr. Bates, ancestors, die. He, come here. Oh, I've lost my chain of thought. Anyway, weather, because of Mr. Bates, right? His influence is going to grow. And if he gets any more powerful, or if we give him even a second more, we will have no chance of stopping him. How is that, Ben? Does that answer all your questions? There is a long, long pause. Orlando has been doing this entire speech while facing the corkboard, not anyone else, just facing the corkboard. There's a long pause. And Lou Carlo kind of puts his hands together and like taps them against his lips and then is like looking down at the floor breathing deeply and he looks up at Orlando as just a pause what did you just say no no what that feels like the most convoluted difficult way to say any of that the what the what He's like squeezing the bridge of his nose together. None of that made any sense. I'm not even talking about the supernatural stuff. I mean just the sentence composite. What the hell was any of that? Uh, Sheriff Whitaker steps up and says, uh, Other thing from uh, what I've been told, Father Brunswick wasn't at the meeting. I'm concerned about him. If he's not there, then there's a good chance that he's not one of them. He's a good man. And if we can, he's looking at Derek because Derek's now the sheriff. If we can secure him, that would be... It's good to hold on to as much of this town that's left. Liv raises a hand and she says, I saw AK at the meeting. She seemed pretty shocked at everything that was happening and I haven't seen her since. 
Hmm. AK's office is in the main street, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be a hard place to get to. Yeah. But with morning. Forerunner, what, what, is, what is all that rubbish? Forerunners, I believe Weaver mentioned forerunners as being the beginning point of supernatural creatures, werewolves and all of that. Um, and essentially a forefather creates these forerunners, so it is the beginning point of people changing. Didn't Bates say that he doesn't change who people are? So they're not going to be superhuman, surely. If he's lied to you once, what's going to stop you from lying to you again? Don't put any stock in him. Mm. Uh, should we extract Weaver from Orlando's basement? Just thinking, since we're having this family meeting, I might bring it up that we have a man trapped in a basement with no protective measures and he's tied to a chair. They should know where he is. It's not like, Orlando, has anyone been down there except for this lot? Hmm. The gnomes. Will the gnomes tell anyone? It's hard to say. Depends if they have vegan food. Okay, so the gnomes are not going to talk to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) This town is all... There ain't no vegans in this part. (laughs) Thank you, Frank. <laughs> while while this conversation is happening, Olivia, you're getting pretty like more information in my brain. I don't need it. I don't want it. And you start kind of just breaking away from the circle. Roll for me. She's fiddling with the um, bullets in her pocket at the moment, just becoming overwhelmed as she's fidgeting. Mm-hmm. Ten. Ooh. Okay. You see something out of the front windows. Uh, guys? What's up? So, yeah, I killed them, but it was a a targeted uh, process because I... Was it at least self-defense? No. Everyone slowly turns around and you see past the line of cars, past the car park, past the sign of Salem's Lodge, there is a jack-o'-lantern in the woods and you pause thinking firstly that wasn't there before but also it's off the ground someone's wearing a lit jack-o'-lantern out there okay so Liv obviously hasn't yelled if she's seen a lit jack-o'-lantern she's just gonna go like uh 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 okay guys spooky pumpkin man Spooky, spooky pumpkin man outside See, in the woods. Spookums is fine. <laughs> Didn't say it wasn't fine. Uh, um, Can someone get over here and confirm that I am not just imagining Tully a floating pumpkin? Yeah. Just as, wipes yeah. her. Oh hair. yeah, that's a spookum. <laughs> okay, as Tully's walking over to confirm what OK is seeing, as soon as John heard someone mention anything about outside, he has turned around, gone around to the like underside of the cabinet. Flicked a few switches, unlocked the the safe, pulled open like pulled it open. Has chucked the shotgun to Orlando and has pulled out a little pistol and is going to the door as well and has started to pull it open. Don't go! Don't go out there! Uh, and Orlando's like, ah, the first specimen. <laughs> is there a fireplace in either? 
the kitchen or the games room? In the games room, there is. Right. Taka's just going to duck back to the games room, and I'm assuming that there is like a box of kindling and a little hatchet for um, splitting things up. The hatchet, there's a full axe outside, but no hatchet there. Everything's pre-split. Am outside. I able to grab the axe, or is it already barricaded up? Roll for me. I, I think we said that Warwick was in the process of barricading had it. Had barricaded it, uh, like, straight up. Roll for me or... for the pre-thought of bringing in the weapon. Nine. Nine, okay. So, yep, you have the axe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jess is going to take this time to wash her hands and her hair in the kitchen while everyone <laughs> is like, who spookums? She's like, well, I can't fight with dye Okay, that's going to That's going to be a 10-minute process. You're, yeah. you're, you're in there now. Out. You're yeah. using the industrial, like, the... The, 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 the spray. The spray yeah. washer yeah. thing on your head. <laughs> and yeah. you are... Notice the uh, obvious fact as your brother Luke comes in and locks the, like, kitchen door. With, so the two of you are in there. He's holding a gun and you can see your brother, Derek, has instructed him to keep you in there. Aww. As, 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 yes. he, as he's starting to, like, get help towards the door and um, Emily is already out the door with, um, mm-hmm. uh, with the other two as they start to streak across the um, tar, the concrete. And Warwick has now extended both arms to stop everyone else from getting out. No, it's no, like, no, you rat, you, you. It's like hoarding, like, like cats. Right, children, seven, seven for Orlando slipping through. No, yeah, you both already went out. So, yeah. oh, okay. Are we're you good. Warwicking? Yes, children. No, stay, stay. No, here, stay here. <laughs> All right. This is why I don't have kids. We cut to outside as the cool night air breezes through the trees. They shake and move. The, our party of three cross over the car line that um, Tuck put together and you move across the concrete. Your, the only sound is the distant sound of owls and your feet on the concrete as you start to make progress towards this. Uh, Emily puts out her hands to stop you both when you're about 50 feet off from this thing and you can see someone is wearing this pumpkin in the woods looking at you and you can't see their head inside of the pumpkin. You can only see the inside of the pumpkin and a lit candle within it. Shoot it. Three, he pulls out his gun and shoots. He pulls out and shoots and sp- like um, it hits one of the trees and bits of um, the trees breaks off and bark and like scatters over the person and they don't react. Orlando's going to shout out... Um... <clears throat> All right, Pumpkin Man. That was a warning shot. You don't have stop. I'm having a bad few last days, so I'm going to be merciful here. You get one chance, okay? One. Roll for me. Emily draws her sword. I got a one. One, okay. You don't notice anything? Emily, you want to roll? Uh, Orlando's really having a bad time. Plus intelligence. Yeah. Um, that's your 12. Okay, 12 and um, John nurse as well. Uh, it's a woman. And from the height and build, it's a young woman. Late teens, early 20s. She's wearing all black and these strange kind of like combat-esque boots that go up like 
to like the middle, like nearly her knee, but it's more like shin guard stuff than any type of style thing. And you're noticing these highlights. The lining of her black jacket is blue. Her fingernails are blue. She tilts her head slightly to one side. I don't think this is one of Bates' people. This is something else. What makes you say that? The pumpkin. (laughs) It could be a diversion. I know Um, I would do that. From the window, Liv is still looking out the window. Can she try and guess who it would be of the townsfolk? Uh, If you roll. Okay. Of advantage, you know these people. Okay, good. (laughs) It's an eight. Uh, You have never seen this person in your life. Okay. You've never seen this pumpkin in your life. Never seen the, you've never seen those clothes. Uh, Mosey's Creek is a very reserved place. Uh, you never see bright coloured like clo- like clothes linings or anything like that, or fingernails or anything like that. That's not that type of style. It's all old people here. Old church going people <laughs> type of thing. Oh, Jess's crop top is really out there then. <laughs> Just about. That's like as yep. far as it goes. Jess, cover up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Hmm. That's not good. She, like, as if she's wearing a hat, like, does the motion of, like, tapping her hat to you, and she says, Happy Halloween. And she begins to rotate and head into the darkness. Uh, Emily's gonna... Wait put an arm out to kind of bring the others with her and she's just not backing up fast. You hear the sound of footsteps. You two, the three of you, break into a run as you start to head back as hundreds of people begin to emerge out of the woods, running at full speed towards you guys. You guys go at a run as just a storm of sound comes at you as people are tearing through this forest. As they're going, they're grabbing onto the trees to pull themselves forwards and further towards you, and they're tearing off the bark as they're going, as they start to take off at you. Um, As she's running, Emily is going to reach for her belt. She's going to grab two things, uh, a flashbang and a flare. Mm -hmm. The first thing she's going to throw up is the flare. Um, She's going to rip the cap off wave it once and throw it behind her that'll give the signal to Warwick that the attack started and then the flashbang um in a move that will be familiar to other Dark Tides listeners uh Emily uses her momentum to stop pivot and uh swing her arm around in a baseball-esque pitch um and throw the flashbang into the first line of oncomers yep uh Okay, we have an 11, an 11, and 7. John is running backwards, and he shoots three shots and catches three people in the head directly, and they slump to the ground as he is pushing Orlando back behind him. John's a psycho. (laughs) I have time. Oh, I didn't realize. Uh, And he's, like, turning around and sees Emily just hurling this thing, and he, like, almost, like, uh, like... 
He just leans back and his little crack is like, oh, as it goes past him and into the crowd and goes off the bang. Yeah. So what, what type of, what was she throwing? Was it just... Uh, it would be a, a sulfur, a sulfur canister. So it's a flashbang with sulfur. Okay. So it goes off and there is that burning sulfur smell as just there's an eruption of light and you hear shrieks and yells from within the explosion as you guys are running. More feet are coming and you're hearing the sound of cars coming up the driveway as well and you're seeing headlights coming up the main like road, car after car after car after car. You're hearing the sound as more people are breaking through the forest on either side of the lot. All, some are going for you, most are going for the door. Um, this would be, now we didn't discuss this, but I think uh, obviously the tier agents would already have a plan I think as soon as um, he sees the flare going and then the flashbang it gives him an idea of how many Warwick is going to stop herding people away and he's going to grab the first of the gas tanks uh, that had been rolled out he's going to kick the door open and yep. with strength um, he's going to hurl the first gas tank well over the line of cars that Tuck had set up uh, until it rolls and he's going to go get the second and start hurling that too and it would be, I'm assuming uh, Mia's job to ignite them Yep, okay. As you guys are running from within the ca- uh, the lodge, you were looking out and there are no, like, lights in the car park. There are no, the Orlando's too like stingy for those types of things. What there is, is the lights coming from the rotating neon sign. And that is casting the area in a red glow as it rotates. Sometimes going black as it rotates around and then coming back to red. And there's the lights coming through the windows as you just see just these pinpoints of light as light hits them of just these crowds of people coming. And you're seeing the three of them running silhouetted by both the flare and the flashbang that's just going off. The three running back at full speed. All right, uh, Derek and his brother are going to make their way up to the door and he's going to look to Warwick and look back out as he pulls out his gun and his brother does as well. Fish in a barrel! I have my misgivings about this. Nope. I went to school with these people. And he uh, spins the the barrel on his gun and starts taking shots out of the window, catching people who are getting too close to the main group that's running. Mm -hmm. His brother is mostly supporting him as he's holding... The gun that Derek uses is a police... It's basically a police revolver, but it's basically a cannon supporting Derek's ability to handle the recoil of it more than anything like that. Because it's basically like almost dislocating his arm because he's not putting the muscle in to stop it type of thing. So his brother's like supporting him with that as he's shooting. And Ben Mears is waiting, counting, waiting for Warwick to throw the last of the uh, big canisters. I think Tully would be trying to usher people away from the windows, like towards the back of the reception into the kitchen area. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, um, the kitchen's locked, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the kitchen's So, locked. like, around, probably into the right wing area. Okay. Um, so, I rolled a D2 for this. Liv is going to shove some painkillers in Derek's mouth as she's running upstairs. <laughs> Derek's, Derek's still down the main floor. Derek's, like, yeah. in the front there. Oh, so yeah. you're... She's going up the stairs. Like, she's running past him to start running up oh, the stairs. Oh, okay, all right, okay. Yeah. He's like, he's like, spits them out. He's like, I'm fine. <laughs> he still gets a D2, though. Okay. You, like, cover, D- cover his D- eyes as he's trying like, to aim. Two it's like, points. Two points. Okay, just said two points, because a D2 is yeah, a Yeah, I was nice like, what two. the hell's okay. a D2? Two points of health. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're rolling a D4 to give two points. Yes. 
So I've healed Derek now. Okay. Yay. Tuck right. is lining up Molotov cocktails. Bang bangs. The bang bangs. <laughs> bang, bang. bang, bang. Try to find a lighter. Alright. All right. Uh, so hearing gunshots, Jess is going to abandon her um, washing of her hair. Mm-hmm. She comes up and she just looks like a rat. Yeah, with, she like, is going to be sopping wet. Her hands are like <laughs> slightly. Is just like. Yeah. All her the hands way are down. slightly stained pink. She's going to run past Luke, realize the door is locked. Turn back to him. <laughs> what the heck, Luke? Come on. Let's go. Let's go. And she like grabs a knife. Let's go. <laughs> how about no? How about yes? Let's go. How, how, about, how, about, how about no? Uh, she's going to roll to try and kick the door open. It's a 10. <laughs> you kick it and like the bottom of it, the door's, Orlando's cheap. The door <laughs> snaps like that at the bottom. It's still locked, but you could like crawl underneath. <laughs> Start crawling. Okay, he's like grabbing your legs and like, no, Jess. No. <laughs> she just trying to crawl Hang out from a broken door with a knife <laughs> and her brother holding her legs. You're a PE teacher, Luke. Leave me alone. I'm stronger than you. He starts trying to pull you back through. No. How many guns would you say AK has in their room? AK has a gun safe that she does not give you the combination to. For for uh, reasons of she doesn't trust you with them, but yeah. there is the one there is a like small pistol that she keeps like under the bed mattress, like as like a security thing. So you grab that up. Yeah, yeah. She's basically she's gonna shoot this. <laughs> okay, roll at disadvantage with me. Okay, disadvantage with a d12. Yep. D12. Yep. Lord, please. <laughs> they do design safes to eleven. Not break with these kind of things. Eleven. Oh. Okay, <laughs> you. You make the realization. Mm, probably shouldn't shoot the keypad. Mm. That's a bad idea. So you like go over. You push the safe aside, and you find where the hinges are, and mm. you aim down, and shoot through the like the pin that's holding the hinge. Takes you like two or three shots because you like hits, and there's like a spray of metal, and you're like, Did I just kill myself. Nope, I'm okay. <laughs> Shoots it again and again. It takes you basically the full clip to like get through it, and then you're like, I feel like you should take like a D4 or something from that. Because I'm going to say just like intense. yeah, like that's I've, very deadly. Yeah, like you're getting sprayed with metal stuff, and then you had to call like Buddy to come in and like use a bit of the bed frame as like a lever thing to like Gosh. slowly crane it open, and you're able to get it open enough that you could slip your hand into to like pull out a few things and you do it like this it's like I don't know what I'm grabbing in there yeah okay it's an okay part of the gun to grab it's like the barrel (laughs) (laughs) okay as you are pulling this stuff out you hear scuttling and you hear the sounds you're in the far like back side of the the um Watch, yeah. mm. you hear the scuttling sound of people climbing up the wall oh, of, your, of the outside over. You're on the second story and they're climbing up. They're climbing onto the roof. Oh, joy. And you make the realization oh, that's how people could get posters on our windows. <laughs> that's, that's Buddy's realization. <laughs> they, cli- they, they can climb up like sheer walls. Before this is all happening, the three outside are still sprinting at full speed. And we're going to do speed checks. So uh, Emily is going to get uh, advantage of this because of course she is. And she's going to get advantage plus four because Olivia is a beast. I, I did already roll for Orlando Emily. to see. Uh, what did I say? 
Olivia. Oh, um, Emily. But yes, Olivia Emily. is, Olivia a is beast. now a beast. She has three guns. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Emily rolls with advantage plus four. Did I say fifteen? Fifteen. Okay. Right. I did roll for Orlando before because I thought that scene was going to go longer, and I got nat twelve for escaping. Good. I was doing his snake thing. Yeah. <laughs> you guys get over the cusp. You uh, pass over the cars as these figures are climbing over them already, and you slide into the doors. And John is not with you. And you turn around to see that John has been caught going over the cars. He was grabbed by the legs and fall, and has oh, like no. fallen over onto his stomach, onto the front. And he is trying to pull himself over as they are grabbing him. He slips over the cars onto the ground and rolls and starts trying to get up. And you see. Cornelius Mendoza climb over the car behind him grab him by the back of the head and physically tear his head off he he doesn't speak he tears it off and throws it to the side and you see a crowd of them come over and pick up John's body and start pulling it away and pulling it apart as you assume they are starting to eat him I, I immediately rolled for this um, and got... Because uh, at first I was like, oh, Orlando, you know, he, he likes John enough. He's going to save him. Oh, never mind. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I rolled an 11 for Orlando to shoot Cornelius Mendoza for mm-hmm. a revenge kill. Shotgun is 2d6 plus 4. That's 7 plus 4, so... 11? 11. Okay. Um, and he, he has something to say. Cornelius! You prick. Yes. Okay, you... Uh, it's one of the ones where it goes like... Like that. Yeah. And you shoot Chester it. is mimicking a Winchester style. Yeah, I don't know. I do <laughs> lever action. Not a lever action, not a pump action. Yeah. Um, it's one of those, if you were cool, you'd like spin it. The cool Western um, one. The cool wait, Western wait. ones. Hey, is he cool enough? Yeah, you spin it. You spin it and you point it and you shoot and it catches Cornelius in the like arm and it doesn't blow off the arm but there's about that much meat connecting it back to his body as it is his entire shoulder is blasted off and he falls to one knee a little slither of meat you know a little cheeky little bit of flesh just like beef stir fry and he falls to falls to his knee and um is incredibly badly hurt and I rolled for this so okay so as they are climbing over the uh, these cars and coming at you uh, across Frank Hill with his I think we said it was a did we say it was a rifle that he had I can't remember him and his gun. No, he had a shotgun. I he think he also had a shotgun. He also had a shotgun. I imagine I think when he, he would carry multiple guns. I think when he first like met that. you, he had a rifle. But anyway, yeah. um, so across Frank, uh, Sheriff Whitaker, ex Sheriff Whitaker, and new Sheriff uh, Derek, uh, shooting. They take out nine people as they are climbing over these cars. And just as you guys cross over, uh, Orlando, like pushing Warwick out of the way as Warwick is like moving back anyway. Orlando just extends out both of his arms, grabs the sliding doors, and slams them shut just as these things are, like, going over the, like, over the steps of the entrance to get to the door. And when they're about a foot away, boom, they are thrown physically back. Like, uh, there was a wall there as they are bounced back. And uh, Olivia, as you're coming down the stairs, you hear the sound of all of the ones that are on the roof 
boom, as they are thrown physically off of it and go crashing down onto the ground beneath. beneath. They cannot touch the building. Cool. And they all immediately come to a stop just on the border of where they're able to be, a foot away from the door, just lines and lines and lines of them staring at you. They don't talk. They just stare. The Everpleasantest Debates is brought to you by our incredible patrons, such as Zach, Leah, Jesse, Jake, Stephanie, Kira, Colin, Stephen, Nathaniel, Undercommon Arts, Number 27, Snacky Boy, Flower, Addy, Julita, Red Panda, Lexi, David, Mikhail, Glennis, Jackson, Spixy, and Angela. If you want to support the show and get us to be able to do more stuff like this and bring more things to you, as well as the upcoming sequel series to the Everpleasant Mr. Bates, they'll be airing on Patreon only. Check out patreon.com slash darktides for a range of different ways of supporting us, different tier levels, with a range of different costs, so that it should suit just about everyone. See you again in two weeks. Bye-bye. The town of Mercy's Creek is silent. Barely any lights are on in any of the suburbs. A few remain here and there. The trailer park also is quite silent. Many children lay in their beds with their costumes disguised on the floor after a fruitless night where no candy was given. Some lay awake. Many more aren't even in their beds. Most of the jack-o'-lanterns have been blown out already. It's proving to be a rather uneventful Halloween. Most people seem to have gone to bed early, it seems. But very few doors are locked. Very few windows are shuttered. The town sits, breathing 
in and out. But its soul, its soul resides elsewhere. And already, a glow is beginning to come from Salem's Lodge. The occasional person walking the streets can see it, even from here. But even at this time of night, the river itself seems quiet. It's as if time has stopped. This moment lasts forever, it feels. Most children didn't want to go out. Most stayed at home. The town's just far too quiet. And while things may be attempted to be hidden from children, they're always aware. They always know. They're more connected to these towns than any of us. They feel its blood pumping. They feel the whisper of its soul. And they feel that nothing is as it should be. They can feel the few of them that are left that Mercy's Creek is dying and it will be dead before morning comes because there are things moving in the darkness and no home will be left untouched. The board is set and the pieces are moving. <laughs>